We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. today that was born out of last Sunday. Last Sunday I preached on what's in your heart and had so many comments and so many questions about the message last week that it then began to birth all these other things in my heart. And so today I want to start a new series entitled G3, God, Guidelines, Guardrails. In her song she said, when I think about the road of love that he went down for us. Today, we are all on a road to heaven. A road of life. And on that road, God, when he came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, he came to put in some guidelines and guardrails for our life. Because he does not want you to wreck your life. How many of you have ever been in a wreck? Raise your hand. Did you wake up that morning planning to be in a wreck that day? No. It caught you off guard. It happens in a moment. We don't expect it. The guidelines that God has in His Word are not there to try to restrict our lives so that we cannot have fun. They're not there to restrict our lives so that we go, well, here's all the things that we can't do as a Christian. But they're there to have a wonderful life, to have an enjoyable life, and to help you from wrecking your life. Because when you have a wreck, I mean, everything goes crazy. A guardrail is simply this, spiritual guardrail. It is a personal standard of behavior. To protect you from dangerous areas in your life. You and I have different areas in our life that are dangerous to us. We all do not have the same weaknesses. There are areas in my life I may not need a guardrail in. But there's another area in my life I need a guardrail there. Same way with you. We have different places where we have different guardrails. It is a personal standard of behavior. Jesus, when he came, he did not come to establish a bunch of rules. They already had that with the law. The law was a bunch of rules. He came to fulfill the law, and then he came to give us a way of life so that when we live it, we live it to the full. We have an abundant life. When Sandy and I became parents, we started praying over our kids. God, help our kids not to make dumb mistakes. Right? Help our kids to, to live a life that is fun, exciting, healthy, spiritually. We want them to go through life and not have some of the tragedies that life can have. So when they're born, we start protecting them, right? Right? In the cribs, you've got all these guardrails up, guidelines. You want to keep them safe. You don't put them in the crib for a jail. You put them in there because at that age, that's what they need to be safe. 
When they get to walking, then we put locks on the cabinets, right? And we take away all the sharp corners in our houses and try to protect them. And, and then when they get a little older, we get them a bicycle. But, but, but we also get them the elbow pads, the knee pads, and the helmets. I had none of that growing up. Sometimes I wonder, did my parents love me? They gave me yard darts that were this big and said, now throw them at each other. But we do that as parents. And then we give them a car and we put airbags and give them all the guidelines about how to drive and how to be safe. And when you come up to an intersection, look left, look right, then look left again. And all these things and speed limits are there. There's guardrails. I've been driving around Ponca City last week looking at guardrails. I have found on Highway 60 going east, there are guardrails that have been abused. I don't know what it is about going east out of Ponca City on Highway 60. But those guardrails over there have had some severe damage. But they are not damaged nearly as much as the people who hit them. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that appears to be right. But the end, it leads to death. Today in our society, the church, I believe, is too quiet. We, we, we get quiet because there are things that will wreck your life. But our society today says, well, if it feels right, then it must be right. If it looks right, uh, well, I'll be safe. I can handle it. God's word says, hey, wait a minute. There's a guideline and a guardrail because this will wreck your life. John 10, 10 says, there's a thief who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. We've got to get the contrast right. God sent his son so that we can have an enjoyable, damage-free life. The enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. We've got to get this right. In Matthew, verses of chapters 5 through 7, Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And he repeats this phrase over and over. You have heard it said. In other words, these are some the rules, the guidelines that were set up in the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament, he says this. It says, do not commit murder. You know, thou shalt not kill. Do not commit murder. He said that I'm here to give you a greater guardrail and guideline. It says, don't even hate your brother. Because if you hate him, then you have also committed spiritual murder. So it goes from committing the murderous act to now here's a guardrail. Don't hate because that hate, if you're not careful, can develop into murder. And then he says, you've heard it said, uh, do not commit adultery. Now, I, I don't even know if people know the difference between adultery and fornication anymore. Two different words, two different things. But Jesus said in the Old Testament, it says do not commit adultery. It's a guardrail there. Don't do it to direct your life. He said, but in the New Testament, I'm setting up an even better guardrail for you. Don't even look upon a woman to lust after her. Because he understands process. First, you commit looking upon with lust before it ever gets to adultery. Guidelines and guardrails. God says, hey, you've got to have these because I want you to live a wreck-free life. 
The problem is we wait until situations arise instead of putting the guardrails up ahead of time. Guardrails are built in zones that are dangerous. I mean, we've got a lot of flat land here in Oklahoma. There's a long ways you can go, and there's nothing on the sides of the road, no guardrails or anything. But then all of a sudden you'll come to this, this creek, a, a bridge is there, and before the bridge, you've got these guardrails that kind of funnel you into that bridge, right? Because they don't want you just to hit the bridge straight on. So they've got these guardrails there so you can kind of, if you're swerving a little bit, has anybody here ever hit a guardrail? Kind of just scraped it just a little bit. I mean, just, just a little bit. Raise your hand. Just kind of, ink. Whenever you scrape that guardrail, what do you immediately do? React. Correct where you're at so that you don't have more damage. What I've seen is when people hit a guardrail that God puts up, they sometimes are stubborn and just go right on through it. They won't listen to somebody going, hey, wait a minute, there's a guardrail there, there's a guideline, so you don't wreck your life. These things are going to hurt you more than you ever thought. Ephesians 5.15 says, be careful, very careful then, how you live. We've got to be careful. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. i got to tell you, nobody plans on wrecking their life. They just don't plan not to. I've not performed any wedding ceremony yet where the bride and groom are standing there and they say, I do. And they're going, well, I do, but I'm, I'm already planning to get rid of him. I'm already planning to get rid of him. No, they don't ever plan on their wedding day to ever have a problem. Right. To ever have any kind of damage in their relationship. To ever have any kind of wreck. It's going to be what? Happily ever after. And you know what? It can be. God's given us all kinds of safety features in our, in our road to heaven. He's given us guidelines, guardrails. And then in our lives, he's put in some seatbelts, restrictions a little bit to keep us from falling out. One of the number one ways you get killed in a wreck is get ejected from the car because you don't have a seatbelt on. Well, I don't like the seatbelt because it makes my clothes wrinkled. My pretty dress, my, my, my best clothes get wrinkled, my shirt gets wrinkled. I don't want to wear a seatbelt. Well, ask the person who got ejected from the car. Well, I don't, I don't you know, we got all these airbags and all these things. They're wonderful things. But they are only there if you have a what? Wreck. I do not want my airbag to ever be deployed. I don't want to know if it works or not. I don't want to have my car scraped all up because I'm living life riding down the edge of the guardrail with sparks flying everywhere. I want to get in the middle of the road so I don't have a wreck. I want to make sure that, that I'm not swerving left and right and hit the little bumps on the side of the road. You've seen those little bumps on the side of the road? You, what do you do? You correct. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand. In other words, you've got to pay attention. You've got to pay attention. Have you ever been in class not paying attention? Wandering with your mind out the window thinking what a beautiful day it is and all those things. All of a sudden the teacher says, Hey, uh, uh, Vicki, would you come up to the class and solve this problem? 
I didn't know there was a problem. And you walk up there and you stand at the board blank going, hoping a student will help you out, a friend. They'll sneeze and go, 17. <laughs> it equals Z. We've got to stop deceiving ourselves into thinking that we know more than God. We have a generation that's deceiving us that, well, I know more than God. I know what God's Word says. Well, I don't think we do sometimes. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Last week, I read this verse in Galatians 5.23-26, and it said the word debauchery. I don't know what it is. I just don't want to do it. But today's society is, I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is uh, because I'm going to do what I want to do. Last week, I read the scriptures. We do not get to do what we want to do. I did not let my kids do what they wanted to do. Because as a parent, I knew they're going to wreck their lives. They're going to get hurt. I did not teach my son and daughter how to ride a bicycle on pavement. I didn't. I took them to the park with a, with a slow, sloping hill, filled the grass, and then I put the helmets on and all this, and then I was right beside them all the way down the hill. This is how you do it. Then I remember the first time we kind of let go the first time, and my, my wife and I were like, oh, what am I doing? And, and guess what? My daughter and my son's faces were just smiling so big, and they were so happy. Why? They were riding their bike. And then all of a sudden they got to the bottom and <laughs> But they do it again. Let's do it again. Because life is that way, right? Every morning we wake up and go, I want to live life again. If you live life and you're not wrecking it. But if you're wrecking it, you're waking up and going, oh Lord, I don't even want to face another day. I don't know why life is so hard. It's because we're, we're scraping, we're running down the guardrails. We're, we're not even looking at them because we don't even know what debauchery is. Yeah. Let me tell you what debauchery is. Debauchery is this strong power to overindulge oneself. Overindulge. And it can be with anything. And I said last week, well, the church is real good about preaching about alcohol and drugs and sex. We're not real good about talking about gossiping, envy, strife. When you overindulge in anything, it's debauchery. Food. Come on. We're good about the big ones. We don't want to talk about the ones. That, last week, you know what my favorite part of the sermon was? The chatting teeth. That was my favorite part. The chatting teeth. Listen, when we overindulge, you know what it does? It means that we don't have any restrictions any longer. All of our inhibitions are gone. And that's why we get in trouble. We lose all inhibitions. We all lose all of our guidelines and our guardrails. And we do things and then wake up the next day going, oh, my Lord, what did I do? And the world says, oh, that was a really good party because you don't remember. <laughs> How is something good when you don't remember? If I don't remember, it's my age. I want that to be my reason. I don't want it to be because I did something really dumb that wrecked my life. That destroys my life. I, I don't want that debauchery in my life. 
And today we need to put back the words that God spoke of, guidelines and guardrails, to say, hey, if you do this, it's going to hurt you. And as I talked about last week, sometimes the effect of the heart, it's not immediate. You kind of get away with it. It kind of, well, it feels good. It feels right. So we're going to do this. But I'm telling you, it will catch up with you. Sins will find you out. You can't keep doing things and get away with it. Get away with it. It will catch up to you. And it will wreck your life. It will destroy it. I've never had anyone come to me and say this. Pastor, my family struggled until I started drinking. I've never had anybody tell me that. Pastor, my life was horrible until I, until I started abusing drugs and everything got straightened out. I've never had that. Ephesians gives us a great contrast. We need to have ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit so we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. As I shared last week, you have the Spirit on this side, the flesh on this side, and just because you get saved does not mean the flesh will not try to have power over your life. Paul says, I find myself, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I should not be doing, I find myself doing. There is a constant struggle, as long as you're alive, between your flesh and your spirit. And your flesh will wreck your life, and your spirit gives you life. We need to give ourselves fully to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit be our driving force. When I was a kid, my parents made me memorize scriptures. I didn't understand what I was memorizing. I memorized them so I'd get a bicycle or whatever it was. But one of the first verses I learned was Psalm 19.14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then i got to tell you what, as a young boy growing up, those words got into my spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, what am I thinking on? Lord, I want it to be pleasing in your sight. Everything I think about, everything I say, I want it to be pleasing in your sight. Because you are my rock. You're my redeemer. You're the one wanting to give me life and give it to the abundance. You're the one wanting to keep me from wrecking my life. But we have society that tells us just the opposite. You, you need to live life. I mean, I mean, you need to go out and grab all the gusto you can get and and, and that means you gotta you gotta party here. You gotta you gotta let friends pressure you into doing things over here. And don't worry about these guardrails. These things are dangerous. If you hit one of these, guess what? You're not going very much further. If you hit it head on, it's gonna wreck your car. It's gonna wreck you. And you're gonna come to a sudden stop. Boom. Life was going good until all of a sudden, boom. Catches you unaware. Well, I've had some people have wrecks because they were driving asleep. Fell asleep. I've been guilty of doing that before. When I first got married, I had a job that the first week on the job, I had to work from 1130 at night to 730 the next morning, my first day. They had rotating shifts, and they started me on the graveyard shift. i got to tell you, at 18 years of age, my dad had this mantra, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. 
So at 10 o'clock, I was home. So I was in bed, asleep. At the latest 11, I had never stayed awake all night in my life. Can you imagine that? Never. And the first night of this job, I've got to stay awake from 11.30 to 7.30 to drive an hour home. I got in my pickup truck. I'm going home. The next thing I remember, it was 40 miles from Lone Star, Texas to Longview, Texas. The next thing I remember, I'm sitting at a red light in Longview, and the policeman has his lights on and a siren. And I turn left, and he pulls me over. He says, uh, are you okay? Do you think I was awake by then? <laughs> yes, sir, I'm fine. I I'm doing great. What's the problem? He said, well, I've had several calls on the radio to where they saw your truck swerving all over the road. Now, I had driven 40 miles with no recollection of any of He says, where do you live? I said, about two blocks on the right in this apartment complex. He said, well, I'm going to follow you there to make sure you're okay. I said, well, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can because I'm really wide awake. No problems. <laughs> I got to tell you, he woke me up. Sometimes in life, we can kind of doze off. We can kind of be in church and go sound asleep. Spiritually, we, we can be snoring up a storm because we're not hearing anything. We're not aware of anything. We can go through life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and just be spiritually asleep. i got to tell you, you better watch out. You're going to wreck your life. It'll hit you and you'll not be aware of it. One, one Saturday morning when I was a youth pastor, we were taking our youth to a trip to shop for their parents for Christmas. We loaded up a couple of vans, we're headed off, and we're leaving town, and the light is green. We go through an intersection only to have a Volkswagen. Now, we're in a church van. A Volkswagen comes through the intersection, the policeman said, at 70 miles per hour. Hits our van in the dead center spins us around, flips us upside down. I never saw it. The youth never saw it. No one ever saw it coming. We were blindsided. So we're upside down in this van. The kids are all screaming. In that moment, I kick out the, the windshield of the van. My wife is holding my son in her arms. Our daughter's in the back. Everybody's crying. Everybody's screaming. I smell gas. I tell everybody, get out. Crawl out the front windshield. I mean, it is, it is chaos. We all get out. We get over there. The policemen come. They, they talk to the man in the Volkswagen. He had fallen asleep. Wow. Sometimes the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And even when you're not expecting it, you still have to be ready on the offensive because there's others in your life that will wreck your life. Oh, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's what society is accepting. It's okay because the church is now accepting everything. I'm just trying to tell truth that I am your policeman with the siren on saying, wake up, church. We've got guidelines and guardrails to live a happy life. And we've got to make sure we don't wreck it. Don't wreck it. Don't wreck it. God came to give us 
life and life in abundance. And the enemy's out to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't particularly like heights, but I love my Jeep. And I'm kind of having a little bit of heart pains this year because for the last 14 years up until last year, I went to Joab, Moab Jeep Safari. And at Moab Jeep Safari, you have these incredible red rock formations. And it's called Slick Rock, and your tires really grip it. And you can do things with your Jeep up there that just defy gravity. So I had a youth pastor, his name was Al. He was a big guy, no neck. He was an offensive and defensive lineman for Iowa State. Big, strong dude. So he tells me, Pastor, I want to go with you to Moab. I said, okay, man, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Your adrenaline is just, oh, you're right. So the first day we did, we did these trails that were rated two and three. They're, they're easy trails. And boy, we get to dinner that night. And man, Pastor Al is just, I mean, he's just talking, talking, talking. Oh, i got to go home and get a Jeep and bring my wife up here next year. And this is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Oh, Pastor, I love this. I love this. I love this. I said, I told you you would. It's awesome. The second day, we went on a trail called the Cliffhanger. If any of you would like to look it up on the Internet, you can. But it's in Moab, Utah. It's called the Cliffhanger for a reason. Because you will be on the edge of a cliff with hundreds of feet of drop-off. Some places even over 1,000 feet of drop-off. And it's only as wide as your Jeep. And so on the way in, and then it has these where it cantilevers you out away from the mountain. So it feels like you're about to fall. And when you're sitting against the mountain, when you're looking across the hood, it looks like that half of the hood and the left front tire is out in the middle of space. So he keeps telling me, you can scoot over, Pastor. And he was, he was a black brother, so he's always, Pastor, you know you can scoot over just a little bit. I'm not making fun. That's the way he was talking. I said, Al, it's okay. I, I, I've got it on this side. We're good. So we go in. We go to have lunch. And Pastor Al is sitting way away from everybody else. And he's always talking. But he never stops. He out-talks me. And he's sitting way away from everybody else. And, and one of the guys come up to me. He said, hey, what's wrong with Pastor Al? I said, I don't know, man. He's been kind of quiet. What had happened was he'd gone to the guy that was guiding our trail and asked him, how much further is this, is this trail? And the guy said, oh, the same way we went in is the way we're coming out. <laughs> he realized, you're ahead of me. He realized I was against the mountain on the way in. On the way out, I'm going to be hanging off the edge. <laughs> he was quiet. We'd gone down a triple drop-off to get to lunch. Everybody's Jeeps was getting hung up going out. I hate backing up. I don't think that's even spiritual. <laughs> so I told him, hang on. I don't back up. You know this. And man, I got to the bottom and I'd done this thing. We'd jump up, hit the back tires on this one, hit the back tires. We'd go about 25 feet on the top and bring it down. Everybody's cheering. <sighs> Pastor Al is not. <laughs> I have a grab handle and this thing is almost down to the bottom of the window by now. We start going, we get around these and here's what he tells me. He says, Pastor, he said, when I see Jesus in just a minute, I'm going to hand him this grab handle and say, could you give this back to Pastor You know why? No guardrails. 
There was nothing there. I don't want to drive across high bridges without guardrails, do you? I don't want to see how close I can get to the edge on purpose of my daily life. I don't want to risk wrecking my marriage. I don't want to risk wrecking my family, wrecking my job, wrecking my spiritual man. And yet we have people today that are just oblivious to all the warnings. You've got a warning coming into Ponca City this week. Left lane closed. Guess what I had somebody doing to me? I went to get this from the old dot in Blackwell. This is the real deal. I'm on the way back. I'm in the right-hand lane. There's somebody in the left-hand lane. And they are oblivious that the left lane is about to close. I start slowing down. They slow down. They're on their phone. I start speeding up to get to heaven. They start speeding up. I'm like, Lord, we're in a predicament. Because they're about to go through some orange cones and there's going to be a big drop off when the concrete's out. So I slammed on my brakes. They whipped in front of me and made it. I'm on 14th the other morning going to the hospital at 5.30 a.m. 6. 6 a.m. I just turned left on the 14th, and there's a car that comes flying around me doing, I know, 70 miles an hour on 14th at 6 a.m. I go, where in the, they must be going to the hospital. Must be an emergency. They whip in front of me and go straight into McDonald's. <laughs> I'm thinking, how hungry are you? <laughs> that that egg McMuffin is worth you dying over. Come on. People are doing crazy things in life today. They're riding on the edges. They're going past the speed limits. They don't care what the warning signs are. They're just going. They're so distracted by everything else. And the church is being silent. It is time for the pulpit to hear. For the men and women of God to say, hey, don't wreck your life. Because we love you. Now let me get to the real serious part and I'll wrap this up. Here's the predicament of the church today. Well, we can't preach messages like this because then we're judging. No, we're not. Listen, my wife and I are judged harshly about everything we do, and so are our kids. We know what it's like to be judged on every word that we say and everything that we wear and everything that we do, everything that we have. We are judged all the time, and it hurts. I know of no one in the ministry that has not been hurt. Some have been hurt until they are dead today. They're no longer in the ministry. So she and I would never judge anybody, ever. God judges the heart. Man sees the outward, but God sees the inward. We would never judge anybody, but we love you. And we're going to put helmets on you. We're going to put elbow pads on you and knee pads on you and help you enjoy life. The church is not in a place to judge, but the church has to tell the world again that God has put guidelines and guardrails in their lives to protect them from evil. To protect them from the enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm praying this week for a teacher in Florida. Just a minute, we're going to have prayer for those Floridian parents in schools. 
But I'm praying for a teacher. I love teachers. We got a lot of teachers in this church. I've always been blessed with great teachers in my churches. And here's the problem. When I was growing up, teachers had paddles about that big. And they drilled holes in them. And they wore you out. There wasn't no cord to the principal. There was no time out. Now, I'm not saying that should be done today. I'm just saying this is the difference in times. Nowadays, teachers can't even hardly talk to a student without the parents getting upset or the parents don't even care. The, the teachers can write all kinds of notes. Little Johnny's in trouble. Little Johnny needs help. And the parents are, eh. Come on. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be honest with you today. We've got schools today that are filled with kids who are, who are messed up. The teachers are trying their best. But their hands are tied by society. Because you know what? Now the teachers are judging their children. No, they're not. They're trying to help. The church is trying to help. But this teacher wrote an op-ed that parents need to once again assume responsibility of parenting. You know what I fear? She's going to lose her job. She's speaking the truth. And I'm afraid in the next week or two she's going to lose her job. Because she's telling people the truth. And truth is not accepted today. Hey, I love you. I'm, I'm going to speak the truth because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But I, and our world is full of evil. And it was exhibited this week. A darkened heart. A dark heart took 17 lives and maybe some others who are still in the hospital today. And that's the lie of the enemy. And people are believing it. Where's the church? Where's the people of God? We've got to support our teachers. We've got to support guidelines. Support guardrails. And to say, you know what, they're, they're there to protect you. They're there for your benefit. Would you stand with me this morning? Many different ways I've prayed about this, but I really feel the Holy Spirit wants us to end the service this way. My heart breaks for these families in Florida. And i got to tell you, I'm not being political. This is the way it is. They're blaming guns. Guns not the problem. If that's the case, no one, none of you should have a TV either. Because then we'll blame the TVs for all our problems. The problem's not with the TV. The problem's with the remote. The problem is not with your computer. The problem is what you do with your computer. The problem is not your phone, it's what you do with your phone. The problem is not, and we can go on and on down the list. These are things that we are to be self-controlled over. Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. I control myself. I don't need somebody else controlling me. I control myself. I change the channels. I, I, I don't look at that on the computer. I, I, I don't buy into this philosophy and that one because I, I look to the Word of God for my guidelines and guardrails. Society says, oh, let's get rid of all the goods. The church says, let's let mercy and grace touch somebody's heart and life. But you've got to tell them the truth first. Got video games that are that are desensitizing our our our, our next generation. Amen. 
They think when you kill somebody, all you got to do is restart and start over. It doesn't restart. You don't get to do it over. We get one shot at this thing called life. And I want you to have a great ride. I don't want you to wreck your life. I want you to enjoy every day. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.